All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells, along with a special guest host, a recurring one at that, Kenny Cashman. And you know, anytime Kenny is on this podcast, we're talking not just sports, but also a lot of pop culture and news topics. So we'll start off the show with our usual NBA and NHL postseason discussions. We have some other wide variety of sports talking a little golf and uh, in particular John Rahm at the Memorial and his positive test for COVID. We'll talk about Julio Jones being traded to the Titans. We'll also talk about baseball's latest competition controversy, spider tack, foreign substances, and spin rates. But we'll also get into some non-sports topics, including Olivia Rodrigo's debut album, Sour. We'll talk about iCarly being rebooted with an adult theme to it. We'll talk about Apple's new iOS 15, some of uh, the more exciting features that they announced earlier this week. And we'll also talk about some major changes in the Bachelor franchise surrounding Chris Harrison exiting as host and uh, some of his replacements, including comedian David Spade. So we'll give our thoughts on all of that. Another loaded episode featuring Kenny. So with that, let's get started. episode of he's done it brian you and i did two episodes last week we're uh we're not gonna do two this week but yeah we we, we are had, excited yeah we had to work overtime last week yeah we did we did and uh you know we we're, we're back again and we're excited to be joined by a special guest host recurring guest at this point kenny cashman welcome back thank you happy to be back so you can catch kenny on his own podcast the c team show available wherever you listen to this one and you can also find his twitch stream grobo streams so i know you do a lot of pokemon some minecraft you recently yeah. getting into another one i haven't heard of valorant valorant yeah it's a it's a first person shooter i'm very bad at it but i have fun and that's all that matters yeah so uh you can definitely check out kenny and other places but for now you can listen to him here so normally when kenny comes on he's done it we have a good mix of sports and non-sports topics and we'll get into a lot of that pop culture and news stuff but first we're going to start out like we have the past few weeks now with some nba and nhl postseason talk starting with basketball and i know it's been a week but let's uh let's go back and let's give a nice round of applause to the phoenix suns knocking out lebron james and the los angeles lakers in the first round what felt unthinkable for the past 17, 18 years now, but it's finally happened, and we have a postseason where LeBron James made it, but is not going to go on a deep run. And the, the two-seeded Phoenix Suns, uh, just really incredible, totally deserved it all the way. Nothing 
sketchy at all about this series. Nothing to point to to say this is why the Suns were able to pull it out. Just a clean series for the Lakers. And because of that, I'm going to come out and say it. The bubble did not count. Championship, fraud, glorified AAU tournament. This is the real Lakers team. Well, first of all, yes. Go, Suns, go. I will definitely be on that bandwagon for as long as possible throughout this this postseason. Uh, now, when it comes to the glorified AAU tournament, does this also count for the other sports as well when it comes to hockey and baseball, or is it just a basketball thing because they didn't have to travel? You conveniently left out football there, but uh, well, football, no, football, I, I, they they didn't football, they had a, they had a they had full regular season, but the other two, the other three sports, they were in a bubble. Yeah, I mean, well, baseball had a full. They had a season, season but they well. also had to. They had to travel for the playoffs. Were in a bubble. They had fans in the stands. That That's was not true. A bubble. And Justin Turner got COVID <laughs> when they won the World yeah, Series. That that was not a bubble. Hockey, you know, we'll 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 get into the NHL. That the the jury's still out on that one. But I think when the Lakers go from winning a title to being the seven seed and losing in the first round, it's fair to kind of question the the legitimacy of that one. I mean, definitely, definitely the reason why they were seven seed though was because of the injuries that they had. This season with LeBron and his ankle, and then Anthony Davis and his his numerous injuries, especially his groin injury that affected him in this series as well. Okay, but when is Davis not hurt? Only when he's in a, a bubble and had four months to recover for the postseason. No, it's true. He definitely is an injury prone player, and LeBron is now 36, 37 years old. So and I, he was hurt all of 2019. Yeah, or most of it. So anyone who says that it could be over for the Lakers, I don't blame you when their two best players have either age or injury concerns. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that I want to go that far yet because I don't want to be burned by that. I'm going to enjoy this this moment for now that uh, you know we finally have LeBron going out in the first round, and that the Lakers are not going to win back to back titles. But there's certainly a lot of questions moving forward for LeBron James and the Lakers. Uh, he already says he's switching his number to six. He's going back to the the glory days when he's with the Miami Heat and the uh, the USA Olympics number. Uh, I'm not really sure why he's doing that. Is he hoping for a Kobe thing where he gets to have two numbers retired? I I mean, maybe. I don't know that uh, the Lakers are in a rush to retire his number. But... I, uh, I I do think that there's a, a lot of questions about this team moving forward. And I mean, is this like a roster that you can kind of look at and say, oh, it's like super flawed, like they had all these problems, like it shouldn't, it's it's expected that this team didn't go as far as they did because I don't I don't think it's fair to say that. I thought they were constructed, like heading into the season, everyone was saying that they were the favorites to win the title because of this roster and some of the guys that they had. Yeah, I thought they, so. I, I picked them to win it all. I picked them to repeat and they also picked up Montrez Harrell in the offseason from yep, the Clippers. Him, Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, yep. right? And they also picked up Drummond, who, yeah, he's not that great, but he's still a decent piece. And then Kyle Kuzma, he was... He was good last year, but uh, end of this year he, he was looked, not good he in looked, the the postseason series. Yeah, he looked atrocious. Yeah. So, Kenny, what are your thoughts on uh, LeBron and the Lakers going out in the first round? Um, well, I don't really follow basketball much at all. Uh, I watched I watched the highlights to the to to Game Six of the of the Suns Lakers series. I'm glad to see the Lakers out. I you know I don't follow the sport, but if I have a team, it's the Celtics, and like I don't 
I don't like the Lakers just based on that. And I'm not a fan of LeBron. So, um, you know, I was uh, not watching any of the games. I was, I don't remember what I was doing, playing a game or something. I got a notification on my phone saying that LeBron and the Lakers were knocked out. And I was like, nice, cool. Good job. Good job, Phoenix. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was happy to be able to go to bed at the end of the first quarter, liking the Suns' chances of winning. It was like 36 to 14. I thought after the game five blowout that the Lakers, even without, you know, I guess Anthony Davis was starting, so I was like, "All right, they're gonna, they'll be good. They'll come out and win this game." Yeah, but you and could the t- fact that they you could tell altered that quickly. You could tell right away in the beginning of Game Six, Anthony Davis was not, uh, he was he was not healthy enough to play whatsoever, and that showed once he was taken out. What five minutes into the game? Yeah, only five minutes in, and there's another thing. Like I think it's it indisputable at this point that he's not only the the most valuable player on the Lakers but he's their their best player just given how well they played when he was awesome in those first you know couple of games in the series and just how they just couldn't compete with the Suns by the down the stretch when he wasn't playing see part of that is a little bit of trolling from you but at the same time Anthony Davis is in his prime and LeBron is getting near the, he's not yeah and yeah and he's getting near the yeah, end so, so I don't blame you for saying that yeah, and I mean, I think that's why another thing, like the the LeBron James NBA Finals MVP last year, like, I don't know. I think Anthony Davis kind of proved that he's he should get that award from him too. So uh, let's, uh, let's kind of focus on the Suns for a little bit though because this is a team that was 19 and 63 two years ago. We saw last season they kind of started to put things together, uh, highlighted by their 8-0 performance in the bubble. And, hey, they, I guess, weren't bubble frauds because – they, uh, they came out this season and had their best year in about 15 years since the Steve Nash era in the early, you know, mid, mid to late 2000s. And I think it's really incredible just how they've been able to pull off this rebuild. And I, I, it's difficult not to root for this team moving forward after, you know, what they did in the first round and just how fun of a team they are. Yeah, after the way they performed in the bubble and then picking up Picking up Chris Paul and having Devin Booker and drafting DeAndre Ayton and and everything else that they have on their roster, I felt really good about uh, their chances of not only making the postseason but also being a top four seed. So I'm glad that came to fruition, and as well as getting to the next round. And again, I hope they can keep this up. So now the next uh, challenge is getting past the Denver Nuggets and uh, newly crowned MVP Nikola Jokic. So, Brian, I know you were like on the Nikola Jokic MVP oh, yeah. train at one point. Did you predict him entering the season? No. I, I th- Okay, I didn't think so. But. I don't remember who I had, but I, I wish I picked Jokic, but I'm definitely a fan of his. I don't, I don't remember who I picked, but I don't, it wasn't Jokic. I feel like I would have remembered that. So and I, if, and I if I did pick him, then I have a terrible and, then I have a terrible memory. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not even positive you said it on the podcast. I just remember early on you. I remember being like really. I remember in the middle Jokic of the season you. when people were saying that sh- that the MVP should go to, I don't know, it, Joel Embiid. yeah, Embiid or Curry or even LeBron before he got hurt. I remember thinking, no, it's definitely Jokic right now. Not only did he put up the amazing stats that he did, but he also played every game, which is not yeah. something any, basically any other superstar could say. Cause a lot of, a lot of superstars this year took, took a lot of games off. 
Yeah, between load management and injury, which I, I get it's only a 72-game season, but that's still impressive. We haven't had an MVP play every single game since 2008 when Kobe did it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, a huge reason why I was a, a bigger fan of him winning MVP versus Embiid was just the fact that he stayed healthy, played every single game, and a lot of those other guys did not. Um, and I, in winning MVP, he becomes the first ever second round pick, the lowest ever drafted player at 41st overall to win MVP. And that has, uh, brought out a lot of screenshots of the moment Jokic was drafted was ta- because it was, it was a Taco, Taco Bell, Bell quesadilla commercial going on. Cause it's the second round. They didn't bother having the, uh, the live breaking news of it. So that just kind of goes to show how incredible it is that he's, uh, put together this career. So I guess just uh, some other thoughts. You know, we're in the middle of the second round at this point. I don't want to spend too much longer talking basketball, mostly because, as Kenny said, he's not a huge NBA fan. Uh, but one one thing, I guess, when talking about DeAndre Ayton, uh, you know, he's related to this. I feel like one of the underlying themes of the postseason thus far has been the 2018 NBA draft. Now, that draft is famous because of how the top five played out. And a lot of that is the Suns drafting DeAndre Ayton, number one overall. And the Hawks drafting Luka Doncic only to immediately trade him to the Dallas Mavericks. Now, I think that this postseason has really been our first chance to fully take in this draft because the Suns and the Hawks hadn't made the playoffs before this. Now, if you were to do a redraft, if you gave the Suns an opportunity, you know, go back to 2018, knowing what we know now, I'm pretty sure that they would take Doncic. They but would take Doncic. It is. They would take it, Doncic. Is it like that crazy, just given how everything has played out, to say that, oh, they probably didn't do like that bad of a move by taking Aiden, or the Hawks didn't do that bad by trading Doncic for Trey Young and Cam Reddish, especially the fact that the Hawks are, and the Suns are both still in the playoffs and Luke is still looking for his first, first postseason I mean, series I, victory. I mean, I don't blame the Suns for taking Aiden. I mean, he was a, I don't want to say local guy, but he went to Arizona and they, the Suns need more, needed more help, uh, in their, uh, in their front court than, uh, when they have Booker on their roster and other guards. So I don't blame him for taking Aiden, but if you were to do a, a redraft, Doncic is one. And then I think Trey Young would be two. Yeah, I mean, the Kings definitely messed up. They're the, they're the one team who made the, the bad mistake here. I mean, I, I just think that it's it's interesting how, like, that is the narrative, but it's not like, you know, the, the Suns and the Hawks made totally egregious mistakes by passing on Luka, just given that they got two all-star caliber players that are uh, looking like they'll be big parts of teams that could be contenders or, you know, potentially even win a title, which is something the Suns are very capable of doing at this point. Uh, and then the last topic of conversation revolving around the NBA playoffs, which I guess, you know, we're shifting our focus away from uh, rooting against the Lakers and now we're rooting against the Nets. And that just feels like it's going to be kind of kind of miserable, um, you know, for anyone who really hates that team because they're just so good. Anyone but the Nets. That is my number one rooting interest. I mean, even, even, See, I... even over the Suns. I mean, I, I would – if it's between – Rooting for the Suns or rooting against the Nets. Rooting against the Nets is my number number one overall rooting interest. No doubt about it. 
I liked Milwaukee's chances coming into this series. I, I really liked their big three, especially when James Harden got hurt in game one. And I was like, oh, they, they can do this game too. And then they go on to lose by 40 points. Yeah, they like, were down by 49 at one point. In that yeah, game. just, uh, I mean, if, if the Nets can do that with only two of their, their big three players, then I just think Does it's that- going to be difficult for any team to knock them out. Does that say more about the Nets or the Bucks? I think it says more about the Nets. I really do. I think the Nets are just that good. Like I think that the the Bucks and like Giannis, they just keep running into the wrong teams at the wrong time. Because the past two years, it's been Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors who felt like a team of destiny. Jimmy Butler and the Heat felt like a team of destiny. Now it's a Nets team that's like one of the greatest rosters ever assembled. So... I, I think it says much more just about how great the Nets are than it does that the Bucs just keep falling short in the playoffs. That's fair. And I guess one comment, you did kind of bring up the Suns-Nets thing. So I don't remember the context of this, but I, I do remember someone responding to a tweet saying, I've been a Suns fan for the past 15 years. I know it's our destiny to make it to the NBA Finals only to lose to Steve Nash. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, feels like, yeah, right. That's that's the Suns in a in a nutshell. So, all right, that'll uh, wrap up our NBA conversation. Let's move on and talk some hockey, and let's uh, let's start off with the Boston Bruins. So, the Bruins are in the middle of a series with the New York Islanders. At least at the time of recording, they're playing Game Six tonight. So we'll know if the Bruins force a Game 7 or get knocked out in Game 6. But, Brian, how are you feeling, particularly after that Game 5 loss, you know, and then having to go back to Nassau Coliseum for a, a must-win Game 6? Yeah, I'm definitely concerned, which is which is pretty obvious since they're one game away from elimination. But, yeah, I definitely have more concerns than I did the last time we talked about the Bruins because their biggest issue right now is their depleted decor. Because after McAvoy and Carlo, it's a pretty big drop-off after who they have on their roster. And Carlo, got once he gets hurt in Game 3 with another concussion, uh, it's, not, it's not his first one this year after he took the Tom Wilson hit uh, earlier in the regular season. So he's dealing with concussion issues, and ever since they've lost him, their penalty kill has been a disaster. The Islanders... They went three for four on the power play in game five. And yes, it's a credit to them. But at the same time, the Islanders, they're not this offensive powerhouse. Yes, they're a good team and very defensive oriented and well coached, but they're not this offensive juggernaut. And so the Bruins decor right now, and especially their penalty kill, is a fatal flaw. But I just thought the fatal flaw wouldn't be until uh, past this round against other teams. I didn't think it'd be against a team like the Islanders. Uh, Another reason why I'm concerned about the Bruins uh, heading into tonight is Tuka Rask. I mean, he's been amazing this entire postseason until game five. Game five. Is he injured? Yes, he's injured. And that's why I'm concerned is because he could not. So was that why he didn't play in the third yeah, period? Yeah, he's not 100% at all. And And that's why they shouldn't be starting him tonight game six because he's it's obvious that he's not healthy at all and they should be starting Swayman and I don't know why they keep putting out putting Rask out there if he's not 100% uh, which makes no sense to me and it just it's just something with Rask every single year it's just the 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 3-0 lead blown to Philly 
and then the the blown two two goals in 17 seconds to Chicago to lose the cup, uh, losing to Montreal in seven, and then uh, having ha- seven, having Saint a st- yeah having a stomach flu uh, on the last regular season game to m- miss the postseason against Ottawa I think in 2016, and then yeah, and then losing game seven of the Stanley Cup to the Blues, and then going home last year, leaving the bubble just to play golf. I know he had family. <laughs> I know I know that's insensitive, and he had. He had family issues with his daughter not feeling well, but at the same time, it's like, oh, it's, part of me still thinks it's kind of a bad luck just leaving your teammates behind. Uh, so it's just something. I've long been a oh, yeah, anti-Tuka Rass person. And, and I've been he- kind of on the same, I've had the same similar sentiment as you, but it's just not as, I guess, bad <laughs> until now maybe because I just can't take it anymore how, how often he just ruins it. Uh, so... Yeah, they they should be starting Swayman. I don't I don't know why he, Rask is in there again. Well, I I think especially because I I mean I only watched the highlights of of the last game, but um I just feel like if if Rask starts and can't finish the game, whether it's because well, I mean probably because of the injury, um I just feel like it's a it's a big it's a it's a big momentum uh momentum thing for like for Swayman to go in not from the start i think is yeah is like a yeah is a, is a bad that's move. huge so you, if it's if rask isn't going to be able to play the whole game i don't think that he should be starting no it and you're putting swayman in a terrible spot I and mean, he's a rookie and his first ever playoff game he's being forced into there in the third period and he ends up giving up a goal but i at the same time i don't blame him he's being put in a just kind of an unfair spot it, they should really commit to him and i instead of you know, putting Tuca in for one or two periods and then putting Swayman in the middle of the game. I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of that move. It really should be Swayman from start to finish. This series is playing out pretty much exactly like the Penguins Islander <laughs> series where, uh, you know, the, and, and it's slightly different, definitely um, some different situations, but in both cases, the, you know, the Penguins won game three, really close one. The Bruins won game three, really close one. And you're feeling really confident at that point. Like, all right, you got that win um, on the road and you're, you have that advantage in the series and you go out and get blown out in game four. And then in game five, you come home and you outshoot them by 25 shots. And in the Penguins' case, I think it was something like 53 to 28. In the uh, the Bruins, it was 44 to 19. And you end up losing the game because of poor goaltending. And in the case of you know Rask, it was it, the injury with it Jari. Was, it was a bad mistake. But it's more of a fault the to the defense though, because their their decor is atrocious after McAvoy, and I don't trust any of them. Uh, so part of it, yes, I do blame Rask, especially the fourth goal because uh, Eberle had a wide open shot, top shelf, and Rask did not make a hundred percent effort to stop it. Really, I, or at least I didn't feel like he did. Whether if it's injury related or not, I don't know. He just didn't. He just was not into it, and they they should have. I mean, in hindsight, yeah, like it's easy to say they should have started Swayman, but morning Rask missed morning skate of that of that day. And so that's already a cause for concern and and should have started Swayman, which is, again, easy to say now. Yeah, so now you go into a game six on the road in front of a, a rocking crowd. Like, the they're going to be going crazy in the barn. It's the last, potentially the last playoff game there if uh, if the Islanders lose and then lose game seven. So I know those fans will really be getting into it, and it can, uh, can be tough no matter who's in goal in that situation, whether it's an injured Tuca or an inexperienced Swayman. 
So by the time that our listeners are actually listening to this episode, what do you think is going to be happening? The uh, the Bruins are getting ready for a game seven or they're uh, getting ready to play golf because the season's over? I mean, I'm not totally sure, but I, I do feel confident that they're not going to win this series now. So whether that's... Whether it's tonight or... Whether it's tonight game or game seven. seven. I Yeah, I feel like it's going to be one or the other. Because I, I can see... I can see Rask having an amazing game and then proving all the doubters wrong and see Tuka's the guy and then all of a sudden just blowing it in game seven again. So, I mean, if I had to guess, I'll, if I, if gun to my head, yeah, I'll, I'll pick the Islanders in game six just because I, uh, their defensive core is trending badly in the wrong direction and they still don't have Carlo and they still don't have Kevin Miller back. So they're still relying on. Uh, the other defensemen that they're forced to play. So I guess I'll lean with uh, a loss for the Bruins tonight. So if the Bruins do, you know, pull out these next two games, though, does it feel inevitable that they're just going to get blown out by Tampa in the next? Yeah, that's anyway? why I'm not that mad about what's happening right now, uh, especially with how the refs handled Game Five. They were atrocious as well, um, but. The Bruins definitely have bigger issues, but even if they get out of this series, yeah, they're gonna be literally and figuratively struck by lightning in the in the in the next round if they were to make it. That's a good one. Yeah, the uh, the lightning finished off the Hurricanes fairly easily. They did uh, end up kind of with a gentleman sweep by uh, you know dropping Game Three, but yeah, they closed it out here in Raleigh last night. I. I heard some uh, Hurricanes fans outside my window as I was laying in bed trying to fall asleep and like, oh, it's only a hockey game. Like, oh, like one guy was clearly more pissed than the other. But that's just what the Lightning are doing to these teams right now. They they cheated by keeping Nikita Kucherov on long-term IR all season, even though he was healthy. And now he comes out and he's just looking like the uh, the guy who won the MVP a couple of years ago. That one, that that one definitely doesn't bother me as much as you, but I, I also don't blame you. The, the Lightning are stacked. Yeah, I mean, and, and ultimately, I don't care all that much, but yeah, it's still worth noting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> T- Tampa Bay's the new city of champions, you know. Yeah, and well, that's that's the thing is Tom if Brady the Lightning a... keep playing like this, and they prove that they weren't just bubble frauds, and that you know, the the NHL bubbles were legitimate because uh, they they end up winning on a you know normal circumstances outside of um you know just the the canadian bubbles and tom brady even had a a hype video for the the lightning (laughs) yeah that felt great wow yeah oh i i kind of like the idea of the bruins advancing to face the lightning just to see what he would do there i mean i think he would do what he's done right along since he left and and be all in in tampa and say uh forget about you boston (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly how it goes yeah so then on the other side of the bracket um, Vegas and Colorado, they, so that, that's a series where Colorado was completely in control through two games. It looked like they were ready to go into Vegas, win game three and, uh, finish them off pretty quickly. But the Golden Knights keep pulling out these, uh, these late victories capped off by their game five overtime winner. So does Colorado have a chance at this point or is it all Vegas and it's only you know a matter of time before they, they close this one out, especially at home in game six? I mean, I've only changed my mind about this series like 17 times. So um, yeah. I, I see I see Colorado uh, losing this next game and um, enforcing a game seven. 
and forcing yeah, him to yeah, start the, yeah, yeah, just trying to play a joke. It was lame. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so like to kind of give like a basketball comparison to the series, it, it definitely reminds me of the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals between the Bucks and the Raptors. So the Bucks win two in a row at home. They have the best. You know, they, the guy who won MVP, one of the best players in the league, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I know Nate McKinnon isn't going to win MVP, but we talked about it last time. He might be the best player in the league. So I think it's a similar comparison. And then, and then Toronto and we think, won. All right, everything's going high for Milwaukee. Yeah, and then Toronto, and then Toronto wins the next two games. And then the game next, five, yep. you're thinking, all right, well, Milwaukee will probably win this game because they're at home. But then all of a sudden, Toronto pulls out Toronto keeps pulls winning. out a late win. It's like, oh, well, now yep. all the momentum is with Toronto. And then in this case, yeah. Vegas. So. I could see yep. a similar situation there. Yeah, especially just knowing that I think that Vegas, you know, really the winner of this series, I think is at least on a track to the cup finals and uh, potentially winning it all, given that they're at least the two best regular season teams when, uh, you know, you factor in the uh, the illegitimate health of some <laughs> other players. But uh, so I guess... Whoever does end up pulling out the series, whether it's Vegas or Colorado, is going to face the unlikely winner of the North Division, the Montreal Canadiens, back against the wall against Toronto, down 3-1. to one. They've now won seven in a row after coming back and then sweeping the Winnipeg Jets. So what's more likely, that the, the Canadians keep rolling or that they just get totally trounced in the, the next round by the Vegas-Colorado winner? I mean, when you compare both rosters, whether it's Vegas and Montreal or Colorado and Montreal, the Vegas Colorado Colorado side should win, but it's also playoff hockey. Just because you're a better team doesn't mean you're going to win the series. That's that's almost never the case in hockey. I mean, if it were basketball, then yeah, of course the most stacked team is going to win. But Montreal is now on a big heater. They've won their last seven games and coming back from three down three one at Toronto and sweeping Winnipeg is impressive. Even if those teams aren't perfect it's still impressive so one thing that i hadn't really you know thought about when when talking about the the playoffs and kind of the long-term aspect of this so regardless of who they play montreal in game one will be playing their first game outside of canada you know in the united states and their first game with a mostly packed crowd, whether it's in Denver or Las Vegas, because the Canadian teams have been playing the entire regular season with no fans. The majority of the playoffs with no fans are very few fans at this point. And that just seems like an atmosphere that's going to be really tough on them. So I think if they pull that out, then they're just they're never going to lose. And if they lose like seven nothing, then it's only a matter of time before they, uh, you know, come back down to earth and get bounced. No Stanley Cup winner from Canada since 1993, and uh, it it would be pretty pretty incredible if the Canadians do end up breaking that streak. Just given that they were the worst team to make the postseason, but I, I feel pretty confident that it's it's not going to happen, and it's only a matter of time once they get to the U.S. that things go bad. Once the Bruins lose, which I assume will happen either tonight or Friday. Uh, I will definitely be riding the Vegas bandwagon or Colorado if if Colorado uh, comes back and wins the series because I'm definitely not rooting for Montreal. Definitely won't root for the Lightning. And with the way this Islanders-Bruins series has gone, I don't like the Islanders. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, no, go I, I get wh- that. Whoever wins that series between Vegas and Colorado, I will be def- definitely be rooting for whoever comes out of that series. Kenny, do you have any rooting interests with the NHL at this point? I mean, I, my my relationship with hockey is, is complicated where, like, I grew up a Bruins fan, but now my dad hates the Bruins, and it's like, I don't really follow hockey enough to 
like root against my dad, you know, and, and is he a Canadian fan he, now? He he likes the people. He likes the teams that Bruins fans don't like. So yes, right now he's definitely okay. a Canadians fan. Uh, he was uh, like all about them beating Toronto. Uh, he was he was he was all happy when they swept in the in the second round and like. I I mean I've 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 had I guess like a soft spot I've I've kind of liked the Golden Knights since they entered the league like I just thought it was cool I like I, I like the the team concept I like the like I mean as silly as it is I like their like color scheme and everything so like, I don't know I've been uh, they, cool they know how them. to put on a they know how to put on a show yeah. not just on the yeah, ice they, <laughs> yeah yeah they really do and when you're in Vegas you got to do that it's, it's all about putting on a show so I I totally get that I'm I'm all in on the Golden yeah. Knights like they've been my Western Conference team I, since they they joined the yeah, league yeah I'm I'm not gonna pretend I'm a real fan of them but on the bandwagon yeah well for sure. and it's hard for me because I would say at this point my number one team is the Kings and like they don't really matter right now but it's still like it's <laughs> yeah. still like do I really root for another Western team do I really root for the Kings but like when or, or for the for the golden knights rather but like if it comes down to if i were watching these games i would easily refer the golden knights over over the canadians i would probably refer them over the avalanche because i don't really have any allegiance to colorado at all and then like anyone like if they if they play certainly if they play the islanders um i'd root for the golden knights i i don't i you know the the, the tampa bay controversy is what makes me hesitant about them but I, I, I kind of think it's funny to just root for Tampa Bay because of Tom Brady being on the Buccaneers. Honestly, just, just it's just funny to me. As, it is crazy how it much is. it's crazy how much success Tampa Bay has had ever since Tom Brady uh, and went to the Bucks because the Lightning they won the Stanley Cup in what August or September, <laughs> and yeah, then, in September. yeah, and then. The Rays, they almost yeah. win the World Series, and then the Bucks, of course, they win it all. I like, I didn't want the Rays to win, but I was like half rooting for it anyway, just because I just think it's funny if Brady goes there and all of a sudden they start winning all this. Like, I just think it would be funny. I see the humor in it. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it's it's <laughs> yeah. a bit it's sad, but it's also it's amusing. I can I can like appreciate that it's that it's it's ridiculous. You know, when you uh, sell your soul to the devil, I guess everything you touch turns to gold. I mean, uh, that I would have told you that that was a crazy theory five years ago. But if if the Lightning <laughs> wins again this year, I I don't know. Maybe maybe Brady did make a a deal with with someone, devil or otherwise. I don't know. So um, this past weekend, I I was out um, at a a beer garden in in Raleigh with some friends and. Uh, a bunch of them got this, I assume, North Carolina-based craft beer called Rhymes with Purple. And some kind of fruity thing. I don't know if it was grape. Uh, someone suggested boysenberry. feels kind of random, but maybe. Um, I like the taste of it. I couldn't tell you what fruit it was. And this beer was a sour. So I brought up in conversation just, you know, and we were talking about sour beers. Uh, speaking of sour, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much has the album Sour positively changed your life? And I don't have a great transition like that for hockey, so that's why I'm bringing it up here. And that's how we're going to jump into this album Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. She released it a few weeks ago, yet it's still dominating plays everywhere radio billboard spotify and uh kenny i know that you have enjoyed this album brian i'm not sure if you've even listened to any of these songs but uh you know feel free to chime in i do want to give kenny the airway here though because he hasn't 
talk too much. So I'd like to kind of get your initial thoughts on this before I get into do, it. Do you want an answer to the one to 10 question? Sure. Yeah. Um, prior to today, I would say maybe two because like there are <laughs> okay. some, there are some songs on there that I like. That's, you know, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good album. I'd say, uh, and then today I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to double it. I'm going to say four because I found a really good mashup of uh, good for you and Paramore's misery business. And I've listened to it maybe Ooh. a dozen times just today. Yeah. I really like it. Uh, the album as a whole, I, I had listened to once uh, and I, and I enjoyed it. I think that they're I think that they're good songs, and that uh, Olivia Rodrigo is is certainly talented. Um, I only listened to it for the second time all the way through today, um, and the the I guess negative aspects of it were more highlighted for me today uh, on my second listen, where like the the songs are good and she's talented. I personally, in 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 all my years of being alive, I think I've heard enough. Uh, relationship slash breakup songs that I don't need eight out of 11 on an album to be about a breakup. Like I just, you know, is it only eight? I thought it was like basically everything but brutal was a breakup song. No, there's uh who are the two? Jealousy. That... Jealousy is, is more about like insecurities. Uh, yeah, but I, I guess I interpret it as being jealous of the other girl. Yeah. But... I mean, that's, it's, it's certainly in there, but like, I feel like you can, I feel like it's like, it can be interpreted as jealousy of just like others in general. I'm, okay. I'm I'm trying to give I'm trying to give a third song here, uh, but then yeah. um, um, the last song uh, like "Hope You're Okay" I think it's called is is like about Hap- happier. No, or, no, no. Yeah, okay. "Hope You're Okay" is like she's like talking about people that she's met who she like doesn't talk to anymore, but she hopes they're doing okay. Um, pretty sad song actually. Um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those where it's like I think it's a I think it's a really good song, but it's. I don't really care to listen to it a lot because it makes me sad. Uh, Most of the songs on this album do. Right. You know, whether or not they're about break, even the up-tempo ones, like it's still, it's about breakups or insecurities. So. Right. And like, I mean, I think good for you is like the, the best song musically on the album. Like yes, I, I, I totally, I totally understand why it's popular. Like it's a really good song. I think mm-hmm. personally it could have been the breakup song on the album. I didn't need seven other ones <laughs> that, uh, in my opinion, sound a little bit more well, like similar You need to... a driver's license to be the, the, the first one. But, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. get that. Yeah, so, like, it, Brian, it, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't need eight total. Uh-huh. Brian, do you have any... Have you listened to any of these songs? So, I'd never heard of this person until Monday when it was in the script. Of, of course. Um, so... I, because, yeah, I don't listen to the radio, but I do have Spotify, and I listen to some of her songs, but the one song that stuck out to me was Driver's License, so I'd I'd imagine that's the number one hit on that That, song. I mean, that was the original, so I I don't, I think right now Good For You is the most popular song in America, but Driver's License Uh, definitely had that title for a while. I I think Good For You dropped to number two, uh, BTS's Butter, I think, uh, according okay. to Billboard at least, topped it. And I listened to that okay. song. I and, think yeah. when I when I looked, I think it was still reversed. So I guess Butter just passed it. That, but, that's, what but, I, that's what I saw. Yeah, I mean, to me, Driver's License is good for you or the but, top two on this. Um, I don't know how much of it, leaning Driver's License is the original one versus, uh, you know, Good For You is a little more recent. But, but yeah, the reason why it stuck out to me was, so unlike Kenny, I am someone that does not mind eight uh breakup songs uh in an album like since i'm obviously a big t-swift fan but one one of the reasons why this song stuck out to me was because i remember 
when I got my driver's license, uh, I was actually going on a date that night, but I needed to get my driver's license or else I wouldn't have been able to go on the date or unless if she drove, which I did not want to happen, I had to drive. So that's one reason why this, this song stuck out to me. Another reason why is because I don't know if you guys have, you guys know Kesha, I'd imagine, right? Yeah. Not personally. Yes. You, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, n- never met but, her. But. Yeah, but you know the song Praying from I Kesha? Think so. Not off the top it's, of my head. It sounds, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So if you listen to the song Praying from Kesha, it sounds just like Driver's License. And I, when I Googled mashups, because you guys know how, how big of a fan I am of mashups, there actually are a lot of mashups of. Uh, those two songs put together because of how similar, similarly they sound. So that's those are two reasons why that song stuck out to me. So I'm gonna get a little personal on the podcast, you know, while we're talking about. I this, mean, like but, uh, I've gotten no, way more did. personal than you on your yeah. channel. <laughs> so, um, so I have uh, pretty recently been going through a kind of breakup of sorts you know one of those uh how do you get over someone you never actually dated Thirty-eight thousand retweets hundred seventy-six thousand likes uh one of those things so uh this is perfect timing for me for this one to come out and uh, on the one hand i'm like all right this is great like i, I need these kind of songs like to to listen to but on the other hand i'm like dang i hate how much i can relate to like an 18 year old disney channel star <laughs> singing about <laughs> breakups and insecurities uh but yeah, I mean, I I'm a I'm a big fan of Olivia Rodrigo way before her music career took off because of the the Disney Plus series High School Musical, the musical, the series. Have have you guys at least heard of it? I, I I've heard of it because someone told me the title and I was blown away that that was not a joke. Right. Yeah, so I started watching the I, I started watching it when it came out last year. So it was it was basically like the original Disney Plus series that they used to basically promote the initial release of Disney Plus. And I was like, all right, this is going to be kind of a joke, but I was blown away right away. And I think that uh, for two reasons, one of them is just the ridiculous concept of it and a lot of the ridiculousness of the show, but also just the fact that it's a Disney Channel-ish show. I know it's Disney Plus, but it's still it's still the Disney Channel brand. And it's, uh, it's very progressive. It touches a lot of topics that we would have never seen on some of the Disney Channel shows we watched as a kid when, you know, like Hannah Montana, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, like That's a Raven, those. So I think for me, that's like a big thing that's kind of uh, just intrigued me with it. And, uh, you know, of course, I just kind of I loved High School Musical. So it's easy to, you know, enjoy watching these kids uh, sing those songs from back in the day. Yeah, um, I, I I haven't seen any of the show. I I enjoyed the movies as well, um, but but speaking to you know you f- feeling bad that you can relate to like an eighteen year old girl singing. <laughs> yeah. I actually think that's I actually think that's like the cool thing about music is that like yeah like some a, a guy in his mid twenties and an eighteen year old girl can be like going through the same things and can she can sing about stuff and it's like relevant to all sorts of people. Um, I, I just think. Like I say, like for me, it's like I already have enough songs like that that I go to. Like I don't, I don't need, I don't. I, one more, like I say, is fine. Eight more is not for me necessary. Um, but but I think it's I think it's cool that like because because I also heard, I remember I remember I said something to someone about like, uh, you know, so many of the songs being about a breakup and everything, and and I, a response I got was like, she's an eighteen year old girl. What else is she gonna sing about? And like. 
I get that, but it's also like it's almost it's almost like not giving giving you know it's not unique like like well, well it's like it's not giving upcoming adults like uh, uh like enough credit i guess where it's like yeah she did make an album about uh potentially one breakup potentially multiple i'm not entirely sure but i i, I think one um but like i mean she like some young artists are singing songs about other things i mean she has one song on here that is like i say about people she knew who were having a hard time with things and she doesn't know them anymore but she hopes they're okay and like i think that's a pretty like i think it's a pretty powerful song i think it's sad and it 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 makes me think about people that i've known and like and and their experiences and my experiences and like i think it is cool that you know she can make eight songs about a breakup that i'm like "Eh, one or two of those are good um, but then she can make this other song that that really makes me think about other things, and I don't know. I just think it's cool that like like age and gender in music don't need to mean anything. Like you can relate to a lot of people. Um, so even if you do it on one song, or even one or two songs on an album, like I think that's cool that you can reach people like that as a as a young adult who's like on a Disney show, you know. I don't know. I think it's cool. Well, that makes me feel, yeah, that makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's very well put, Kenny. Um, yeah. And I, I guess, um, and I guess in terms of the con, like what you said, like, yeah, she has other songs besides the breakup songs, but at the same time, when you say like, what else would an 18 year old girl sing about? I'm just thinking about other Disney channel stars who like made music at similar ages. Like think about like Hannah Montana. Now I know that was targeted for kids, but that's what she was doing. And I think, one thing that really stands out to me about this album, regardless of the content of any of the songs, is the fact that this 18-year-old girl who is, you know, probably the most famous thing, at least with people in that age group, is for being on a Disney Plus show, put out an album with a parental advisory <laughs> label on right. it. Like, the fact that, like, when I first heard Driver's License and she starts using F-bombs in it, I'm like, uh... I don't know how I feel about this. It's just not something that I was expecting from someone just given that I've seen her on this TV show. Like to me, she's just a child actress who does a kid's show and to, you know, be able to have that side of her. I think that it, um, it definitely adds a lot of intrigue and I think it just kind of just shows that she's just a kind of mature person and like, it's not, you know, I don't know if it's totally fair to say that just because I know like I was using language like that at the same age and it's not even like 18 is that young. Like she's a young adult now. But uh, I, I think that that just adds another little bit of appeal to her is that she's putting out these songs where it's like it does have an adult content to it. Yeah. And like and I feel like I mean, I, I didn't have the same reaction because I think I knew she was on a Disney show, but had forgotten uh, until you mentioned it just now. Actually, I forgot that she was on uh on the high school musical the musical the series um but i feel like we've seen a lot of disney stars like child disney stars come out and have like a a rebellious phase where they're like i'm an adult now i'm doing this and that and it's like it's nice to and like you know not to not to say that anything that any disney stars have done as like acting out was bad um people express themselves in whatever way and it's fine but like it's nice to see this as like something that i don't think i mean i'm sure there are people but like widespread it's not like oh my god look at what she did and it's just like yeah no she's on a disney show but she's an adult and like she's not like hurting people she's just making music and swearing and like that's fine like i think it's cool like it seems like it seems like a a sort of an evolution from you know when miley cyrus started doing crazy stuff and everyone was like uh miley what are you doing you're on disney (laughs) channel it's like Uh it's fine i don't know 
Yeah. I remember that song, Can't Be Tamed. Oh, my Lord. Sec- Me too. When, when that song and that music video and her performance on Dancing with the Stars of that song came out, I I definitely had the idea of, yeah, she's going to take a huge turn uh, and not for good uh, once that song. <laughs> she did warn everybody with that song. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I mean, is Miley Cyrus, is she like the, the ultimate, I don't know, I guess, goat of... Uh, you know, Disney Channel stars turned adults in terms of like with a career she's put together. I think so. I feel like pe- the the go to used to be Lindsay Lohan, but I think Miley kind of outdid it for sure. Yeah, I, mean, it, I know that Lindsay Lohan. Like just even just talking about the career accomplishments, not even you know talking about the other ways that they relate to each other. Um, I I could certainly see Olivia Rodrigo having a lot of success. Maybe not Miley Cyrus' success, but like Selena Gomez. I don't know that that's a a huge drop off. She's someone who also kind of turned her her young child actress, you know, Disney Channel career into the you know still being a like you know superstar on both uh you know adult film not not adult adult film but like rated R film and um you know the the music adult music stage. Right, and I feel like she's more music focused at this point yeah at this point she definitely is yeah so i I think that olivia has uh multiple ways that she could take this but it's uh it's hard to envision music totally falling off after putting out the most successful debut album ever well it's it's funny um that when this album was presented to me uh i was told just like kind of as an offhand comment uh it was actually it was actually your brother cam Corey, who said this he was like oh she's the next taylor swift so I was, I was interested to hear yeah. uh, that Brian hadn't hadn't listened to yeah. ton or anything because apparently, according to some sources, she's the next Taylor Swift. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just one last thought here. So it's not on the album, but she put out a new song called "Granted" that debuted actually in the most recent episode, so season two, episode four of the uh, the TV show, and that. I don't know if I would say that it's definitely my favorite song by by her, but I will say it was an instant ad. Like, all right, I got to look this up. Is it on Spotify? Perfect. Add it to all my playlists. So um, highly recommend that for anyone who doesn't watch the show and hasn't heard it yet. All right. So with that, let's get kind of back to the sports talk. But, uh, you know, well, I think this has a, a lot of underlying themes outside of sports. And let's let's talk a little golf. Let's talk about the memorial tournament that took place this past weekend. Uh, it's Jack Nicklaus's tournament at Muirfield Village right outside of his hometown of Columbus, Ohio. And the big storyline wasn't necessarily who won the tournament, but it was who should have won, could have won, uh, probably deserved to win, uh, given that he had a six-stroke lead at the end of Saturday, but was forced to withdraw. That's John Rahm, who tested positive for coronavirus. So, you know, what are your a- reactions to an athlete of that level having, you know, something like this happen to him, you know, where he has to drop out of a major tournament because of testing positive for COVID in uh, June 2021? I'm surprised that it actually took over a year for something like this to happen. Now, players have been forced to withdraw mid-tournament, and there have been a lot more players who have had to withdraw before the tournament, but there's never been a case like this where uh, a, a guy who was leading a tournament, especially by that many strokes, going into a final round, being forced to withdraw uh, it, withdraw the tournament because of a, a positive COVID test. and. It was kind of odd how it all went down because he was told about the news after his round, after the 18th hole, in front of everybody. 
So not only did not only was he notified about the news in front of everyone watching, but also after his round. And because I feel like if if the positive test comes out, what I don't know, the, a lot earlier than that. When you when you tell him, but uh, like whole, I don't know what exact hole that they found out, but I'd imagine that it was before the 18th hole. And yeah. so I feel like when you want to tell him earlier, but on, before he goes off uh, with the round that he has, gaining a six stroke lead ahead of the field. I don't know. I I think the PGA handled it a little poorly uh, and definitely was not a great look. And then when it comes to John Rahm and his vaccine situation, now I, I heard, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is accurate. I'm not, I'll, I, I, do I think he got his go first, his Let's, first vaccine. Well, hold oh, no, on. I, yeah, I do, I do want to kind of go into that right. right now. So, so basically, you know, when I, when I heard about this happening, my instant thought was, did, was he vaccinated? And I was like, yeah, part of me was panicking, like thinking like, uh oh, like, is it like, you know, is that a thing where he was fully vaccinated and still got it? And then I found out that, no, he wasn't. Um, you know, he was regularly being tested throughout the week because he was exposed to the coronavirus on Monday. Right. And, you know, he wasn't vaccinated. And then I was ready to come on here and have all these takes about, oh, like, I hope, you know, not getting vaccinated is worth missing out on $1.7 million, you know, missing out on spending time with your family, your newborn kid. I disavow you for picking you to win the Masters a couple of year, couple months ago. Um, and I, I still do have those thoughts, but I... I found out that on Monday, after being exposed to someone who tested positive for COVID, he immediately ran to get his first COVID shot. And I, that's objectively hilarious like, to think that he thought it would work that way. <laughs> like, he's just gonna have like a like a, a race go on and his his arm just all right get it in me let's see we still got time to get rid of it <laughs> i'm also imagining him literally like running somewhere really yeah funny. right just like ah! <laughs> it is it's uh yeah i mean I, I think like yeah it doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that he did kind of put himself in a bad spot uh by doing this but it, it does make the the whole situation at least a little funnier and uh this is something that we're gonna st- be seeing a lot of because it seems like that's uh you know as much as you like to think that you know athletes are going to go out because and get vaccinated because they're traveling they're you know they're doing their jobs without masks on they're exposed to people and uh it does seem like there's a lot you know across all sports that just aren't for yeah, whatever that, reason. That, was, that was my first thought was that i mean well my first thought was i hope john rom is okay and will get well soon but and the it's a tough, tough break for him to find out that kind of news going into a final round. But another thought that I have was how many, and which of these players and how many of these players, and not even just in golf, but at just any sport, how many of these guys have gotten fully vaccinated and how many of them have decided not to go through with it? Well, yeah. And like, my thing is like, I mean, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm, I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just nobody. Like these people all have absolutely had the opportunity and like, you know, I, and they I, travel a lot more, right? Well. Like they need, they need this. And like, if nothing else, like if there's a silver lining here, I think it's a, it's a reminder to people that like, it's not over, you know, like I, I think it's easy once you are vaccinated to like, be like, Oh, like I'm good now. And just kind of forget that it's still going on. But like it is. Um, but it's also, if, if you've had the opportunity to be vaccinated and you haven't, like, I, I, I feel bad that he's sick and I hope he's okay, but 
I, I maybe it sounds harsh, but I don't really feel bad about him missing out on the rest of the rest of the tournament because it's like you did this to yourself. And as funny as it is to imagine him running to try to combat the exposure with the vaccine, it it doesn't to me it doesn't uh, take away enough from from the irresponsibility of just not because I, I haven't heard any details as to why he wouldn't get a vaccine, nor do I know of any reason that someone wouldn't. Yeah, uh, I kind of I kind of wish I kind of wish I knew what his reasoning was for not being fully vaccinated at this time because I'm I'm someone that is pro COVID vac- vaccine like where I, Corey said this where I'm I'm someone that's going to fully trust the science behind yeah. it and so I'm fully vaccinated right now as well as you and I mean I mean most vaccines they take what like five years to get approved and for this it took what six months so I right. mean there there is there are I get it where some people aren't getting it because it's maybe too risky, just given the timeline of how long it took to get it approved. And um, maybe some people are have, have had bad experiences with shots or don't like needles. I don't know. I feel like some people, they have good reasonings for not getting it. But I guess for him, I would, I would like to know uh, why he wasn't fully vaccinated other than just <laughs> didn't feel like it or didn't think he would ever get it. I don't know. I really don't think it's good reasoning. I think there's so much information out there to say that these vaccines are fine. That, you know, I mean, I get that there's limited long-term research, but they've been working on this for 20 years. It's not like it was rushed the way that people want to say it is. I, I, I understand. I understand people's concern, but it's like, from my understanding, it's it's always been possible to do this. It's just never been necessary. And now it was. Yeah, because SARS went away and right. it you know just randomly went away. So that was why it, it just never became a thing from that. Right. Um, and, and, like, and this one was similar enough that the technology was there and kind of ready to go. Right. And like, and, and like, like you've both said, I'm, I'm trusting the science and the experts and the medical professionals, and they say that it's safe. And more than anything, I don't understand fearing and worrying about the vaccine, but not the pandemic. Like, like right? if I were in his position, and I were like too afraid to get the vaccine. I'd also be too afraid to go to a golf tournament without being vaccinated. Like, that's crazy to me. Especially yeah. with full, uh, full capacity of fans back. Right. Yeah. It's, that's, that's crazy to me. Yeah, and it's uh, I mean, it's a topic just that's across sports right now in terms of um, athletes being vaccinated, and it's it's kind of making some headlines in the football world. So uh, earlier today, Ron Rivera, I guess at a, a press conference, was saying that the Washington football team was nearing fifty percent vaccination, and I'm just like, dang, that doesn't feel very high at all. And uh, he said that you know to try to you know get more of his players vaccinated, he was bringing in some experts to talk to the them and basically you know explain all you know give them information about the vaccine and you know give them reasons to understand why they should do it and you know feel confident in doing it well um defensive end montez sweat was asked about the team bringing in vaccine experts to speak to players and he said i'm not a fan of it at all i won't get vaccinated until i get more facts and then later on why he's hesitant, he said, I haven't caught COVID yet, so I don't see me treating COVID until I actually get COVID. So I'm like, all right, first of all, you say you want more facts. They're bringing in experts to give you more facts. And you say, no, I don't want to hear that. Like, OK, come on now. And then I treat COVID. That's not how vaccines work. Yeah, like, he he's, know he's vaccine another John Robb. Yeah, just another John Robb thing. Like, oh, inject me with it as soon as I test positive. 
Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's just kind of ridiculous. So that's kind of like a mindset. And then, of course, people are defending this. And it's like, look, you can say, sure, he has a choice not to do it. But to give reasons that are just so contradictory and illogical, that's just, I don't know, it's, it's frustrating to, to hear stuff like that. And then Sam Darnold now is also like, oh, so waiting more for more stuff. I gotta gotta make some choices here, which like is kind of interesting coming from him, given that he missed what six weeks a couple years ago for testing positive for mono. Yeah, like, <laughs> you think he knows of all people what a virus can do to you? So yeah. we'll see. I really hope that you know teams that I root for don't get screwed over because of COVID like that with uh you know guys unnecessarily testing positive, but. It's uh, it's definitely kind of a, a frustrating thing to to hear about <laughs> that the country is like offering like free beer, free guns, free yeah, right? weed just to get people vaccinated. Like, I don't know, I feel like it really shouldn't be that difficult, but here we are. So, um, I guess with that, let's uh, let's move on. Let's kind of get back to the pop culture world. So we were talking about uh, one kid show earlier in High School Musical, the musical series. Let's talk about another kid show that's also. Uh, you know, in in the sense of High School Musical, that's uh, a movie becoming a TV show. Here's a TV show that's being rebooted as another TV show, and that's iCarly, which will be coming out on Paramount Plus next week, I believe, June seventeenth, and it's going to have a lot of the the same cast: Miranda Cosgrove, Nathan Kress, Jerry Trainer. But the the real big thing about this is that they're going to have some adult themes. There's going to be alcohol and drinking, a little bit of swearing in this one. So I guess, did you guys watch the, uh, you know, the, the preview or whatever that they put out? I watched a trailer today. I'm not sure if there was something trailer. different. Yeah. yeah, I watched that today, yes. Um, that's all I've seen of it. I don't know what time. So my, did you, did you watch it, Brian? Yeah, I mean, that's all I've seen. Same as Kenny. Yeah, I mean, I think that's everything that we've we've been exposed to at this point. But um, my reaction to it is like, I, I'm intrigued by this, but I feel like it's just gonna be like a regular kid show that has like, oh, Carly is drinking a martini and Spencer's drinking a beer, and like that. That's it, and it's just it's gonna be like for kids, but like it has to be for adults because they have you know slightly mature content in it. I don't know if that was the vibe you guys got. Just based on the dialogue, it felt like it was it was not different than what it was other than having you know Spencer says damn and they they drink beer you think it'd be it's you think it'd be too lame or do you think yeah yeah too lame that's the right word to use yeah where it's like it like dialogue that you would see in a kid's show but just with slightly a you know more adult content than normal well I mean it's I think that because I I watched Doc Harley when it was on when, when we were younger and like they already were like a little bit more adult than some other kids shows. Like they were, they were talking about like their teacher's boobs and stuff. And like, that's like not like, you know, that's not no, anything I mean, crazy, it was, it was... but like, it's not in most kids shows that they're doing that. Uh, I guess it was maybe more like a teen show. Teen, but, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's also, it's weird to me that it's like, uh, I think at the end of the trailer, I think the wording they said was like a brand new series or something, but it's still just called iCarly. And it's like, like I get that it's different, but it's it's weird to me that it's like they're not calling it something different. It's like most of the same characters, like the same. I don't know. It's just weird. They're like the new show, iCarly, because because iCarly was their web show, and I don't know. Right. Well, still, it seems like it's still a web show. They're just doing the same thing again. Like right. It's, like it's the same character. It's not like they're pretending to be anyone different. I mean, I think they're really the big thing is you have the notable absence of Jeanette McCurdy. Right. And I mean, they say that they're gonna touch on Sam not being there. 
and I, I just read headlines on it. I didn't really read into reactions, but I don't know like why that's big news. Like I feel like they have to acknowledge the fact that Sam isn't there anymore because she was part of the show. Like it's not like they're gonna talk about the real reasons why the actress isn't involved. Right. Well it's like I can I don't know like if if you take away like the web series, it's like, you know, oh, whatever ten years or whatever down the line, oh, this friend doesn't hang out with us anymore. If that happens, like why would it be brought up? Friends stop hanging out yeah, sometimes right. so, like i get it if i don't if the web series is like restarting i understand it being addressed within the show but yeah it's like i don't know it's weird could, like it's, could it's they just said she moved they could do it they yeah could do all right sorts exactly of stuff. like yeah. they can just say like something like simple it's not like they're gonna i mean i, I guess they could decide yeah no we're gonna you know bring in the whole like dan schneider foot fetish uh, uncomfortable thing that made her quit acting right. but i don't know why they would do that so yeah, I mean, to me, it's. I think that just kind of like a moot point. Like, I think it's just going to be the exact same thing that we used to see, and I'm going to be intrigued by it. But I'm not. I, I don't know. I my 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 hopes of this are pretty low. Um, yeah. Do any of you have Paramount Plus? No. Like, are you subscribed to it? No. And and that's another thing is like I might check this out if it were on any of the half a dozen streaming services that I already have. But I'm not getting yeah. Paramount Plus to watch iCarly. Well, I'm I assume there's a free trial, right? I'm sure, but I'm not. I'm not even I gonna might... bother with that for like. Yeah. I, I don't know. I probably. I kind of want to. I, I kind of want to see than... it one reason uh, more than just the iCarly reason. probably or at least i don't know if it's releasing weekly or what but i certainly would wait till it was all out before i checked yeah it out. i mean it, it is weekly but i think they're starting with three episodes so you kind of get that right i mean i might even intro. i i think checking out three episodes would be enough for me i don't I, I'm, uh-huh. I'm 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 pr- like sometimes I'll, i like it sorry go on Ryan. no i'm just saying that i'll admit i'm not as intrigued because i know Corey is a bigger fan of iCarly than me. I'm not saying the show sucked. It wasn't like big time rush or <laughs> victorious. I thought I, in my opinion, I liked I, victorious. Yeah. In my opinion, I thought that show and big time rush were not good, but, but Drake and Josh and Zoe one one I definitely, I was a fan of those shows. And then iCarly is kind of the middle of, of those. And so I guess that's the reason why I'm not as intrigued either. Cause if it were like a Drake and Josh one, yeah, I'll, I'll spend oh, the free trial. Drake and uh, Josh, I would pay for. Uh, yeah. Even if it were just for that, I would definitely uh, pay for the Drake and Josh one. Even if it ends up not being, ended up not being good, I would still pay for it. Well, and that's, I mean, and, and my reaction, I think, is is uh, indicative of the of the sort of the part of the culture we live in, where it's like people just profiting off nostalgia, and like sometimes it works out, and sometimes I like it because like if Drake and Josh came back, like yeah, I'd be excited about that. But it's also like I think it's I don't know, I don't really like that they're like. Uh, I don't know. Does anyone have any new ideas? No, let's just reboot something. People, people will tune into that. And it's like, they're right. And I don't really like that they're right, but it, uh, it's so easy to fall into that trap because I Carly, I enjoyed, I, like I say, I might check it out if it were on something I already had Drake and Josh, I would be all in on. And it's like, it's just because of nostalgia. It's just because of something I liked when I was a kid. And what about the, this is sort of off topic, but what about the friends reunion? Like, would you be more, I didn't. So I didn't, I have HBO Max, which I think is what it was on. I didn't check it out because it wasn't an episode or anything, right? It was like a talk show thing. I think it was, yeah, I think it was just talk show. I would have watched it. I would have watched like if they did like an episode, like a long episode, a double episode or like a movie or something. I would watch it. Uh, Again, probably only if it was on something I had. Maybe I'd burn a free trial on that. But it was like, 
it was like a talk show or something, I think. So I didn't bother with that. But I mean, it's, it's all kind of the same thing where it's like, it's even like all the Disney movies. They're like, oh, let's do live action Lion King, which doesn't even make sense because all the lions are CGI. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just like, it seems like that's so, there's so much of that in our, in the media that comes out these days that like, I kind of wish that, I kind of wish there wasn't so much, you know? Yeah. I watched the Lion King and I kind of had that same thought after I watched it where it was like, why did it, why do they need to make another one? Yeah, and I heard like I mean, the script was like the exact same, and it's like what, what you you haven't done anything new or different. I don't know. iCarly isn't even the only show that they're bringing back on Paramount Plus. They're also doing Rugrats, and that's another one where they're having what? a lot of the same voice cast. Yeah, they're bringing out Rugrats. Rugrats. Wait, and... like the original show, like the babies? Yeah, but okay. it's like a modernized animation well, of it because they already did all grown up. <laughs> you know where they? Yeah, no, it's they're bringing them back as babies. Yeah, they're. They're going back. Well, they were all grown up as teens. They weren't right. actual adults. That would that honestly, the most intriguing thing they could do is like have it be like almost like an adult swim show where they're actually adults and it's like a step further than iCarly's going. I think that'd be the most interesting yeah. thing Rugrats could do, but they wouldn't. No. Well, I, I know that it, they're also going to touch on topics that would have been taboo in 1990s when it the original show came out. Um but I guess just this has kind of got me thinking is what are some other shows? You know, you mentioned Drake and Josh. What are some other shows that you kind of wish that they would reboot, you know, from our, our childhood, you know, I guess particularly with Nickelodeon that would have kind of like that adult theme to it today? Because the first one that comes to mind to me is Ned's the Classified School Survival Guy. But I feel like the ship has sailed on that. But it would have been yeah. interesting if they had done like a high school version of that or one. college version. I could have seen high school or college, but it's definitely too late now. Yeah. Um, I, I probably, again, like I probably would have checked that out if I had something. I definitely like that show more. Um, I, I have my issues with, with the creator of this show and it's animated, but Danny Phantom is one that I've long, long thought there's more to do there. And like, I loved that one. And I think that it was really good all through its run. So I, I would love to see more of that, but I don't, I have issues with the creator and, and some of his, uh, is that, Dan Schneider is no, it it's uh, Butch Hartman. He also did Fairly Odd Parents. Oh, he's yeah, he's, okay. he's 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 been he's been a little weird, and I don't know, I don't know. So this is everyone associated with Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon hired some bad people, I think. Unfortunately, bad people yeah, who make I good stuff. I don't think Schneider is involved with iCarly reboot. I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Neutron would be a would be a show that yeah I would, I would be interested as well if they were. A, um older as well yeah yeah i um i I am curious if we are going to start seeing more of this where you see like these shows try to make comebacks like that and you know try to appeal to the the people who watched them as kids and try to get them sucked in as adults um this i guess really depends on how well iCarly does so um i think i'll end up watching it maybe i'll uh i'll check back on a, a later episode what my thoughts are but for now let's uh let's let's go back into the sports uh you know we'll do a lot of flip-flopping in this one let's talk some nfl so um julio jones traded from the atlanta falcons to the tennessee titans brian you and i i think uh, both basically predicted this yeah i mean i would have i would have picked tennessee i just threw out baltimore just just to make mix it up but tennessee would have been my number one guess so it just made Titan, so much sense. Yeah, I, I think it made a ton of sense. I think they'd be the team that would have been most willing to, you know, part with a good package and take on the entire salary, which they ended up doing. Uh, they gave up a second round pick this 
2022 draft and then a fourth in 2023 Atlanta's uh also sending a sixth back in 2023 along with Julio Jones I guess what are your thoughts on the compensation do you think that uh you know Julio should have gone for a one or is this you know kind of no, the sweet spot for no, him? no that's that's a sweet spot well first of all I can't believe the Patriots gave up a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu uh that that the Julio J- Jones trade and seeing what the compensation was for that was just made me even wor- made me feel even worse about the Mohamed Sanu trade, which I hated from the start. But, but yeah, I, I think that was a fair compensation for Julio, just given that he's in his thirties now and he could be injury prone as well at this point in his career. But uh, the the Titans definitely need another top end receiver to help them uh, make not only a run at the division again, but also uh, another shot at uh, another AFC Championship or maybe even possible Super Bowl run. Because I think it's obvious that Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown are great pieces on their offense. And I think Tannehill, is, he's better than I give him credit for. I think he did pretty well last year. But he can't carry an offense, especially with just one good receiver. So adding Julio to that mix will definitely help out him and the rest of that offense. So I think it makes all the sense in the world to make that kind of trade. And, I mean, they only have one team to compete against in their division as well in indianapolis um i'm sorry the jacksonville jaguars yeah. oh yeah lawrence. oh it's like a good oh, time to mention oh yeah that. kenny's wearing a trevor lawrence Jaguars. <laughs> yeah because the jags are definitely gonna uh make a big splash with trevor lawrence and then 15 52 tim nobodies tebow. yeah no, tim tebow. 51 nobodies and tim tebow oh yeah, I, I I don't love I don't love that Julio went to the Titans because it's it's a bit it's a bit deep in my in my fandom. But uh, the Jaguars are my number three team after the Patriots and and Tom Brady's Buccaneers. Um, I am wearing a Trevor Lawrence jersey that I ordered on draft night immediately after he was drafted. Um, I don't like to see the Titans in a position to do well. I'm also not over Tom Brady's last game in Gillette Stadium, uh, or at least last game as a Patriot. He will play again in Gillette Stadium this year. Uh, I'm not the, I know a lot of people like my dad is still upset about the, uh, delay of game stuff that, that Vrabel pulled that Belichick pulled on the jets earlier in the season. Say, I, I, I didn't a, mind that. I, I, I remember like, when that happened, I'm thinking, wow, this is smart. He's doing what Belichick no, did against the yeah, jets. Yeah. It's all above board. It's all like, you know, Belichick likes to exploit the rules and Patriots fans love to be like, ha ha ha. Look at Billy. He's so smart. He's so funny. And then and it Vrabel happens to does us. the exact same thing. Right, I thought that was. No, I thought that was w- smart on his it part. It was smart. And if it's if it's a rule exploitation that people think should be should not be there, I you know, that's an opinion you can have, sure, but the Patriots did it too and you ha- you should be upset about both or not upset about both. I'm not upset about that. It's just Brady's last pass as a Patriot really hurts me thinking about seeing that and and seeing it again and I don't and, and now and you know, the Titans doing well uh having a team that looks like they could they could Act, maybe actually go deeper into the playoffs this time. Um, it, it's that's thinking down the line. But uh, as as someone who is who is uh, a, a Jaguars fan, at least at my number three, I don't love them having Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, AJ Brown. I, I, I don't I, I don't love the look of their offense. Um, but it, I mean, I think it's I think it'll make for fun games. I think it'll be fun to watch them. See how see how defenses deal with that. Not like. I would say probably not knowing where the ball is going to go, whether they're going to run it or which side they're going to throw to. Um, I look forward to to watching the games, but um, probably not looking forward to the outcomes, I would say. So, I mean, I think from a compensation standpoint, I'm not surprised by this. Um, yeah. 
I, I think that it was pretty fair value. And I do understand like this idea that, oh, the Titans have Derrick Henry, they have Julio Jones, AJ Brown, Ryan Tannehill. Like this is an offense that we can see put up a lot of points. But I I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not totally sold on Julio Jones uh, at 32 years old coming off a season where he only played nine games being this uh, amazing difference maker for this team. I'm not sold on Derrick Henry putting up another 2,000-yard rushing season, staying totally healthy. Uh, I think that there's a lot of potential for this to kind of backfire on the Titans. So uh, to me, this is a team that like this is a move that I think is huge for for this organization. I mean, they're not one that has a, a long history of you know success, especially recently. They just won their first division title in 12 years. So I think it's a really good move by them. But uh, not I'm not sure. Thing. I'm not thinking that they're like yeah. the Super Bowl contender now. Like, I, I think. Yeah. So I mean, no. So the Chiefs are easily the best team in the AFC I think the Titans are deserve to be in that mix with Cleveland Buffalo however you want to rank it though right no I don't and I'm not saying that they're like a shoe in for the Super Bowl by any means um but I I think that they had already a pretty good offense and this isn't is is adding to it um in terms of value I think it makes sense like you guys say he's he's not old yet but he's getting there and also the the money that the, the Titans now have to deal with. Like, I don't think it would have made sense to give up a first round to get a Julio Jones who is, I would say, past his prime and who needs a lot of money. Uh, I think that yeah. would be crazy. $15.3 million. Uh, One set I saw was, it had had they picked up Corey Davis's fifth-year option, he would be paid $15.6 million this year. So they're actually, you know, paying slightly less for Jones than they would have uh, to keep Corey Davis around. So... If Jones plays like he is capable of or, you know, has been in the past, that's certainly an upgrade for the same cost. Uh, I do find it a little interesting, though, that the market for Julio Jones was pretty much non-existent. And I think that's another reason why I have some hesitation. So the Ravens did check in on him, but ultimately they decided they'd rather use their first round pick on wide receiver Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, go with the younger approach and the more cost effective one. And apparently the Patriots and the Raiders never really showed real interest. All four <laughs> NFC West teams checked in, but they never made an actual offer. So it was really just the it's, Titans. It's, it's the contract. That's why yeah. the Patriots. Yeah. Oh, I the know. The Patriots that, aren't exactly. going to pay a receiver, any receiver, that kind of money. No. And I, I mean, all those other teams obviously had some kind of roadblock in. And I, I get the contract is a big thing. But if, if teams don't feel he's worth the $15 million contract he has, then I think that that kind of tells you there's a, a lot of hesitation about what Julio Jones still has left to bring to the table. That, that's all. So. That, I agree with all that. I just... I, but I also think that it does make sense for a team like Tennessee. So I, gr- I no, agree. No, and I do I as think, well. I, I think agree both... that it makes sense for them to take the risk. Yeah. So I think both things as well. All right. I think that's uh, enough Julio talk for now. Let's uh, let's continue to jump around here. And let's talk about new iOS 15. Apple announced it at uh, WWDC 2021 earlier this week. We're all iPhone guys. So I know, Kenny, you uh, are a famous iPhone guy. So I'd love <laughs> to hear your your takeaways on like what are uh, the more exciting new features that are that are going to be part of this. Um, well, for me, I think the biggest thing is that people with Android and Windows phones can now join FaceTimes. Um, uh, I I frequently FaceTime uh, our friend Franz, who's over in Europe, 
And we've talked about how like there are people who we would add to this call to talk to, but they don't have iPhones. And so I think that's a really big thing to be able to send a FaceTime link and get them in uh, through their browser. I think that's huge um, for me anyway. I don't know like big picture um, how much that'll be used by other people, but you know, there are other things like messenger and stuff that we could do FaceTime through there, but we don't, you know, we, we could do that and we don't. So I just think that seems really cool. Um, well, they're also improving FaceTime, you know, beyond that and just like microphone enhancements, portrait modes. Like I think there's ways. And also when you talk about group FaceTiming, that's uh, like they're having like a new group grid view for it. So I think it's just overall the FaceTime experience is like really one of the biggest improvements for iOS 15. It, it, it does feel like it's uh, maybe a year late though oh i was thinking the <laughs> yeah. same thing where it's like yeah facetime would have been awesome you right know, yeah a year ago but yeah now i feel like it's going to be kind of less and less um, right like used like, as people can actually spend time together in person more and, and also like when people are video calling like zoom has dug in their heels Pe- zoom, oh zoom absolutely call, like i feel yep. like people used if people were going to video call the the colloquial term used to be skype and then it was facetime and now it's zoom now, now it's, it's just zoom, zoom yeah you know so yep. i think honestly like I think some of the the FaceTime features sound cool. I think some of them sound maybe a little unnecessary, but fun. Um, I hope they didn't devote too much to it because I think it's a bit of a, a losing battle uh, with with Zoom and, like you say, in person. People aren't going to be using that stuff as much in the in the coming months anyway. Have you seen the new Apple Maps layout? Yeah, it looked kind of cartoony. Um, oh, definitely cartoony. I, it kind of looks like Pokemon Go. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't hate it. It was kind of like I was a little iffy on the the actual aesthetic of it, but it's like a cool feature. But I was also like, do I care? There was a lot of stuff that they showed that I was like, oh, neat. I don't really need that. Like, it's I don't. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm fine without that. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely more of a Google Maps guy. I'm the same way, and I mean, yeah. I don't know if that's enough to to convince me to switch to Apple Maps. You know, maybe it's worth trying out because it looks kind of cool but if the directions aren't that much better then i don't think that it's it's worth it um live text that's another one where i kind of go back and forth and whether or not i think that is going to be useful because like the concept of being able to take a picture of something and have it read the text and be able to you know select and copy it sounds like that could be very useful for a lot of people I just don't know if I've had a whole lot of times where I've felt that way. So I don't know you guys like seeing that, if that's something you think you're going to be using frequently. Personally, I probably wouldn't use it super frequently. I think it's really cool if it works, but I feel like I've heard of things that are like this that already exist and people are like, these don't, it doesn't really work well. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't really read the words correctly. Right. Uh, Like it might be able to grab a font, but not handwriting, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I feel the same sentiment as Kenny yeah like i if it works i can't think of an example of when i'd use it but like i'm i you know 10 years ago when i was in school yeah a teacher puts notes on the board i don't have to take notes i can just take a picture and you know i had teachers who probably would have not been okay with that but i have teach i had teachers who also would have been um and i would but i would also just take pictures of the board already with those teachers like i just didn't have to it didn't convert it to text so it's like yeah. i think it sounds neat uh i think it sounds potentially useful to some people or maybe for me in specific circumstances, but I can't imagine it's going to work very well. No, I mean, I, I didn't even think about the, the idea that handwriting would, uh, would be a, a tough one or that it would, it wouldn't be able to convert words as easily. You're just editing it anyway. Um, 
So share play is another one where I really like the concept of it, but I question how useful it's going to be for me just because, so that's one basically like you can listen to a song on Apple music or watch a TV show on Apple TV with someone. But I, I use Spotify. I think all three of us use Spotify. Yeah, I, I, was, I, don't I was just about Apple to say that. Like, I'm a Spotify so. user, so I, I wouldn't even bother. Yeah. Right. And there's like, there's already like, I wa- I've watched stuff with people through like Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever. Uh, I'm always on the computer for that. I'm not on my phone or my iPad. And it's like, either there's a third party service we can use or we're just like, okay, hit play now. You know, like, like sure, this yeah. is more convenient than that, but... I don't have Apple TV plus. I don't, I don't use Apple music. Like I'm yeah. For it, the, the, I think these features are like probably big for people who, who were like all in on Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just, they not. did say that they're working with other apps like Disney plus HBO max, TikTok to have Apple play or share play connections. So I, I think that I could see being a little more useful just across some other apps. But even that, it it feels like this feature where it's like, oh, that's kind of cool, but I'm never going to use it. Well, and like some like Disney Plus has a like a watch party feature built in, which I think is the way to. I don't understand why all the apps don't do that. Netflix used to, and they got rid of it. Yeah, I mean that that seems like a cool thing to have. I can't. I so. can. I don't understand why Netflix got rid of it. It's it's crazy. Like you have to go to a third party thing now. It's crazy. But yeah, I I think Apple like. It's it's just it's it's the same thing with Apple every year that like they're introducing these features and it's like oh that's cool I remember when other people other companies did this a year or two ago and it's yeah. like like welcome welcome to the year 2021 Apple thanks for bringing screen sharing to the game but we already found other ways to do this without you so sorry um, I think the I think that's kind of my sentiment when going through a lot of these features is like oh it's cool but you know there there are ways around it or it's just not something I'll find extremely useful but I will say there is one feature that really stands out to me that I I do see a lot of use in and that's um, Apple Wallet's now going to include driver's licenses and state IDs so you can have all your information right on your phone and I guess it's something that they're going to work with TSA to have approval for because. Uh, I'm someone who, when I'm flying, I'm almost always just using my phone for my boarding pass. I'm not printing one out. So to have to, you know, take my ID to my wallet and, you know, just juggle all this stuff in my hands, it'd be so much easier just to be able to do everything all on my phone, present it all at once and not have to worry about it. So that's um, that's one cool feature that I'm I'm looking forward to. So do you know the release date of this? No, I'm not sure the release date. Is it when like the new iPhones come out? I don't know because the iPhone hasn't even been announced and I think that won't come out till like the fall usually. So I th- I feel like maybe sooner. That's that's kind of what I was thinking. I don't know why they would announce all this and wait 3 months for it. So Yeah, I I feel like the the iPhones used to come out in like the summer and then they started getting pushed further and further back and now it's like September, October. So I don't know. I don't know what the deal is uh, in terms of when stuff comes out. All right. Well, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm, 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 I guess looking forward to some of this stuff, but I, uh, I think a lot of this conversation has kind of made me, you know, less excited just, you know, and actually talking it out and realizing, yeah, maybe this isn't going to be all that helpful for me. So I feel like it's been a long time since I was actually excited for a new iOS. One, one thing I hadn't mentioned that I forgot about was, um, well, what, the two things, one translate does seem cool. Again, if it works where you can like, it seems like, yeah, I, I, that was what I read about. 
bilingual conversations, which like, again, I don't really have a use for it now, but it's a cool feature to have. Um, and also one that I wouldn't really know how to utilize, but ha that I've thought about trying to get into and haven't had the means because I don't have a Mac. I just have the iPad and the iPhone is building apps on the iPad is something that they said they're introducing. Um, I know very little about coding, but it would like, I would try to get into it more if I could just build an app on my iPad. Like I've thought about like, oh, I wish there were an app for this. I don't think there's a market for it, but I want it. If I could just do that on my iPad, like that would be really cool. I would do that. So yeah, that's I would awesome. give that a shot. Good way to teach people coding. So yeah. Brian, you look like I know you I haven't some, joined it yeah, do you at have all a whatsoever. Any, any I mean, thoughts on this? I mean, like part of it is because the Bruins are on, but part of it is because <laughs> I'm not a tech-savvy guy whatsoever. Like, uh, my, my dad is, w when it comes to phones, he's like, yeah, I just need to make calls and texts and that's it. I'm, I don't want to say I'm like that when it comes to technology in the iPhone, but I just need that and some apps and storage because my phone sucks when it comes yeah. to storage. That's all I want. <laughs> I, I, I don't ask for much when it comes to phones. So I guess that's why I'm kind of lazy when it comes to getting a new one and getting excited about uh, upcoming products. I feel like I've like I've steered more in that direction uh, in more recent years. Like in high school, I was very much like, if you don't have an iPhone, don't talk to me. I was that annoying <laughs> yeah, kid. Yeah. And now I'm like, I mean, I do have the iPhone uh, 12 Pro Max. I have the newest, greatest iPhone right now. But uh, uh, I'm very, like, I'm more and more like, if the new iPhone comes out and my current iPhone will do what the new one does, I don't need a new, like, once mine breaks or is, like, too bad, I'll get a new one. But getting a new one every year just seems silly. Uh, if you can, like, afford it, I guess. And, like, I technically, could, like, I probably could. Uh, it's like you know, buying I, a new Madden. Like how many new features right. can you possibly put in a football game? It's, well, it's like a, it's like a new Madden, but it's like like uh, one hundred fifty times the price too. So it's like, you know, uh, is it is it worth all that? And like, I I'm 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 a bit when people are like, oh, phones are overpriced. I don't know if I agree with that because it's it's the only it's I use it more than anything else I own. It does so much for me. I use it every single day. Like I think it makes sense to pay a lot for it, but I don't need to pay you know a thousand plus dollars each year if what i have works you know so so i'm i'm getting a little bit more toward like i'm not gonna be like oh i'm gonna go out and buy a flip phone but it's also like i can wait a couple generations of iphone before i you know trade in a perfectly fine model that's under a year old that's crazy to hear right. from you just knowing that you got a new one every year yeah i was not expecting that at all so <laughs> All right. I um I am due for a new iPhone um in the next few months. So I think I will be getting the next one, but I I've had yeah, the same I, one for the last I'm two also, years. I mean, I've been due for a new one for probably like, probably years now, but I'm definitely uh planning to try to get one this summer. A new one this summer. All right, that's enough uh iOS and iPhone talk. Let's uh let's talk a little baseball. So this Past weekend, the Boston Red Sox took on the New York Yankees for the first time, go into Yankee Stadium and pull out a sweep. And Yankees fans are not happy about that. They, uh, they're they calling for he who sh shall not be named in front of Brian and Kenny's uncle to be uh, you know, fired, get rid of them, take their talents elsewhere uh, because they don't have any talents anymore. 
And I don't blame Yankees fans for that. The the whole team is struggling right now. No nobody can hit. DJ LeMay, he was having one of the worst seasons of his career. Um Corey Kluber throws a no hitter and then immediately goes on the injured list. He's out till August. Really, there's uh, very few bright spots on the team, with one of them being their ace starting pitcher, Garrett Cole, who is 6-3 with a 2.26 ERA, second best ERA in the league. He is second or third in strikeouts, way up there, and number one in strikeouts per walk by a long margin. So he has been having a very, very solid season on the mound, which uh, Yankee fans are certainly hope for, given that he's the highest paid pitcher in baseball at $324 million. And that's kind of where our uh, story begins here because Garrett Cole, I believe yesterday uh, at the time of recording, was asked in a press conference about the sticky stuff, spider tack. It's this uh, sticky stuff. It's some kind of foreign substance that is uh, popular among pitchers supposedly right now. And the problem with it is it's an illegal substance that Major League Baseball, uh, after years of turning a blind eye, is now just looking to enforce threatening suspensions. Garrett Cole was asked about it. Just a simple yes or no question. Do you use it? And he was very hesitant, saying, I don't know how to answer that. So I guess, you know, what are your thoughts uh, on this, this latest kind of controversy when it comes to competition in Major League Baseball? Well, first of all, I thought it was pretty amusing how he answered it just because it was, yeah, like you said, a simple yes or no question. And he basically just paused for 10 or 15 seconds. I mean, it sounded like me in a job interview trying to <laughs> <Yeah>. answer a question. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought my video, my yeah. like, phone was frozen for like a couple seconds there. <laughs> he yeah. actually just sat there and stared for a yeah. few seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I don't, even, I don't blame Garrett Cole for answering like that because it's obvious that he does use it, but he can't just say, oh, yeah, I use it. Everyone uses it because he's ratting out people as well if he does that. So I I, I get that he just paused and just said, uh, yeah, I don't know how to answer that question because it doesn't look good one way or the other. And freaking Islanders just scored. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, yeah, like this this is not great for the game of baseball. I mean. Anyone, anyone who listens to this <laughs> to this podcast knows how much I hate uh, where the game of baseball is at these days, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that the ball is not put in play nearly as much as it used to, and the pace of play, and stuff like this is a problem because it's clear that pitchers have an advantage, and it didn't. The steroid era didn't bother me as much because the there was entertainment value in baseball, and now stuff like this takes away the entertainment value because only the pitchers are benefiting from it and the ball isn't put in play, which does not create a lot of action and does not help the pace whatsoever. And, I mean, it's obvious someone like Garrett Cole has, is using this stuff because, I mean, Corey, I mean, you're you're a Pirates fan and you remember him with Pittsburgh. He was never this good until he got to Houston, yeah. I feel like. Oh, no, he... He showed signs of being a 
really solid pitcher. I mean, he's the number one overall pick in the MLB draft for a reason. Uh, when the Pirates are good from 2013 to 2015, he was very clearly the best or second best pitcher on the team. But those like last couple of seasons he was there, his performance definitely dropped off, and it was not as big of a deal to trade him to Houston. Uh, and of course, he goes there and immediately becomes the best pitcher in baseball. And I think I, I do kind of want to provide some background here, Kenny, like it, before I, I kind of turn this conversation to you. So uh, I guess just talking about the Astros. So in they, they were a team that has always been kind of trying to get a leg up. And we know that about the, the trash can situation, but they were one of the first ones to really embrace some of like the analytics stuff. And uh, a big part of that is spin rate. So uh, the, you can look into the science of spin rate um, it is a, it's, it's kind of a topic that I feel like I have a firm grasp on, which is you know kind of a interesting given that, uh, it involves a firm grasp on a baseball. And, uh, basically the idea is that a pitch with a higher spin rate is going to have more lateral movement on it. So a pitcher can throw a four-seam fastball or a slider, and it's going to be nearly unhittable. It's going to create more velocity as yeah, well. Yeah, it'll create more velocity, and it'll move more. So it's going to be very difficult to hit. Now, for some pitches, like a changeup or a sinker or a splitter, it's not as advantageous to have a high spin rate. You want a slower spin rate because that allows more of that downward movement. So... It's very specific to those pitches. Uh, and basically the idea is that these pitchers, you know, whether it's in their glove, on their hat, they, f- they use this foreign substance, whether it's spider tack or something similar, to basically get a better grip on the ball in a way that increases their spin rate. And I think in the case of Major League Baseball throughout its history, there has certainly been a lot of uh, instances of pitchers finding ways to kind of, you know, doctor the baseball to provide that kind of advantage. And Gaylord Perry, he was a famous example, someone who was open about throwing spitballs, even though it's something that was, uh, you know, basically illegal. And he still wound up going to the Hall of Fame despite having that kind of advantage. And I think um, one thing that I've, I've read a lot is that pitchers or hitters are a big reason why pitchers are okay uh, to do this because it improves their grip on the ball and because of that, it improves their control. So basically, hitters don't want to be at the plate facing a guy throwing 95-mile-an-hour fastballs and having no idea where it's going to go. Now, that sounds all good, but in this case spin rate is totally different in in terms of what the advantage that we're getting is it's not something to improve the grip on the baseball and we know that because hit by pitches have gone up every yeah. single hit year by, yeah hit by pitches walks have been at a high, really high level this year i mean just look at what happened to what's his name on the mets i uh, uh, kevin Pollock. yeah getting drilled by a getting drilled by breaking his nose right by just a guy who has no command of of his pitches and just just and is just whipping it out there like that's another problem with the game is that you have you have hitters that don't have a great approach or a great plate discipline when they when they come for their at bat and then you combine that with the fact that uh, there are pitchers that don't really have great command but they have they can throw ninety eight miles an hour and it's like all right well if you can throw that fast. Like, just go ahead and whip it and just stuff like that is hurting the game a lot all right so kenny i'll give you a chance now that we've kind of gone into like the science and the you know the stats and stuff 
Yeah, well, for for one thing, I th- I think it's it's laughable. Uh, it's laughable that that he said that he was uh, not sure how to answer the question. Um, because I, I there are two ways to answer the question. Yes, yes or no. I know. Yeah. Uh, but and uh, Brian kind of alluded to this, but didn't really specifically say. It, but like you, if you're not doing it, you can say no. If you are doing it, it's not good to say no in case you get caught. You don't want to be on record denying it. So like this is like it's 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 clear. It's clear that Garrett Cole is, is using this. Um, it, it just it, it to me feels and I, and I don't I honestly. I have as much problem with with the steroid with the steroid era, the steroid use in baseball, as I do with this because I just really like when rules are followed, uh, and I get that it's more entertaining when people are hitting the ball, but like, I just I want everyone to be playing um, by the rules. I guess I guess when it comes to me is that I've accepted the fact that there'll always be cheating, well, right? And-, and I think that's the thing is that like there's 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 like a real cheating problem in baseball and that's become increasingly clear over the years i think that like people are always and it's not new but no, people are always finding since ways the to beginning cheat. of the game in the 1860s yeah. and 70s like that's it's been a thing and it's not even just going all the way back to steroids for something like this because we had the whole sign stealing thing you know before the astros are yep. being on yep. trash cans the red sox are using apple watches you know teams were using technology to steal signs and major league baseball said hey don't do this but they weren't enforcing it all that well and then they finally started to come down on teams but you end up in a situation where you have the astros who they win a world series when they're doing this blatantly obvious obvious hardcore cheating system and i feel like that's kind of the direction where we're going with this illegal substance stuff because managers at any time could say hey that pitcher is using something ump go check it get him thrown out of the game but they don't do that because there are guys doing the exact same thing. Right. And to right. me, this is just another thing where it goes up to the top and Commissioner Rob Manfred and just all these ways that he's trying to make baseball better, more entertaining, grow the game, whatever he wants to use, and it's just hurting it. And it's it's frustrating that we're getting to this point. And now it's like, okay, we've been letting this happen for years. We're seeing – so the batting average in 2015 was like 255 across baseball. It's down all the way to 237. Strikeouts are way up. And it's not entertaining. And we had a juice baseball, and that kind of made up for some of this. We were still seeing a lot of home runs. But we, we had a ton of strikeouts still. Like we it's you know, we had this true three true outcomes. Now it's you don't yeah, even have and, the home run aspect even, anymore. And even even when that was going on with a juice baseball and there were more home runs, yeah, home runs are exciting, but at the same time, nothing is happening on the field. So when it's a walk, strikeout, or a home run, none of the players are really moving outside yeah. of the batter running to going to his base if uh if it's a home run or or a walk or i mean back to the dugout for striking yeah or back to the dugout i mean none of the fielders are really moving so there's no action going on so yeah it it's not great and and another thing is i remember uh when garrett cole got traded uh or not traded and when he went to uh houston his numbers dropped dramatically his era went a full run lower and he's going from the national league to the american league where there's a D. saying from houston to new york oh no from pittsburgh to houston yeah yeah oh for, i know P- from yeah. pittsburgh to houston yeah what, yeah yeah and <laughs> yeah and then something the, the was same changing. thing goes yeah and same thing goes with verlander as well like i he was always he's always been in the american league but his numbers weren't f- amazing or fantastic for his standards uh when he was uh getting down to his last uh, starts in Detroit, but then all of a sudden when he he went to Houston, his first year 
uh, or half year in Houston when they won the World Series. He went, he went five and zero, and he had his WHIP, his uh, walks and hit and hits per nine innings, dropped twice as low. It went from one point two to point six. <laughs> so I think it's it's definitely a problem. Like not, and it's not just with Houston as well. I mean, Trevor Bauer is a guy who. He was a he was someone on the Indians and uh yeah on the Indians who was like what a number four starter and he had a four ERA and then all of a sudden last season his ERA drops all the way down to to under two and then he's also putting up great numbers with the Dodgers this year as well and so it's definitely something that is continuing not just with the Astros but with other it is pitchers yeah, and oh, teams it's, as well. it's throughout baseball it's not just Garrett Cole but Trevor Bauer is an interesting one to bring up because he was calling out Houston three years ago and then Major exactly. League Baseball is like yeah we don't care so he's like all right if you can't beat him join him and now he's doing the same thing and like you said he's he's been dominant with it so it's very much a problem throughout baseball if, if you want to call it a problem Major League Baseball didn't want to say it as a problem until now so now we're treating it as a problem and uh, I'm I, I would love a sweet spot. I would love somewhere between, you know, hitters blasting home runs all the time, and and if not, then they're striking out, and somewhere where its pitchers are just unhittable. You know, we talked about this. We, we have a few episodes ago, we were making fun of or complaining about how many no-hitters there were. There was a no-hitter thrown that night and the next <laughs> night of that episode. Yeah, that was crazy. We were complaining about no too many no-hitters being thrown, and then when we were done, there was a no-hitter yeah. thrown. Right two afterwards. no-hitters within 36 hours of that episode coming out. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I would love some kind of sweet spot, and I I think we'll, we'll be able to tell if uh, if guys stop using this stuff because we're gonna see spin rates decrease, and we're probably gonna see pitching numbers you know go back, you know hitting numbers increase to normal levels, pitching numbers go down. So uh, another concern I have is what if the Red Sox are doing? It? I mean, we we came into this year and they, they have hoping that the Red somehow. Sox would just be relevant because we were not confident in their pitching whatsoever. Yeah, and, and especially with Matt Barnes fine. being a closer, and yeah. he's been amazing. And now I kind of wonder: it's like, all right, well, is he doing this stuff too? Yeah, and and now if that... he is, and and if he is, like, how does that look on Cora after what happened this past? year where he's suspended See, i think it's i think it's beyond just cora i think the bigger question would be how does that affect the red sox moving forward because their uh their pitchers stop pitching like normal pitchers and they start sucking like we expect them to but you know what i mean about cora no i I do know what you mean but i'm just saying i think it's i don't think it's like two managers i think it's like pretty much everyone throughout baseball because like why wouldn't guys do this if the major league baseball is going to turn a blind eye but now that they're not going to turn a blind eye, we're going to, you know, really try to figure out who was doing it and who wasn't just based on how numbers change. Well, and that's that's my thing is like if you're going to crack down on this, crack down on it league wide. Like like I I don't like the Yankees, obviously, but like I, Garrett Cole shouldn't be punished and everyone else let off the hook. Like it needs to either be allowed or not allowed. And and my my, my dad takes uh, some extreme stances sometimes, uh, I think half in jest maybe but he's he he said things like about steroids back uh, years ago he's like just just make it all legal everyone's doing it anyway just make it legal so that the people who are who don't want to break the rules will be on an even playing field with the people who are fine with breaking the rules and like that's i think that's one way to do it i don't think it's the right way to do it but it's one way the other way is to actually enforce it actually like look into these things and enforce them uh i think that picking and choosing where to enforce things is is ridiculous and like it it it's it's unfair and 
I don't know. I, that's just crazy to me. That that's entirely ruining the sport, in my opinion. Yep. To just be like, yeah, it's okay sometimes. Just not. <laughs> just don't be obvious about yeah, it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Either get rid of the rule or enforce the rule. So right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll see if uh, you know anything changes now that they're threatening to enforce the rule. But it will be interesting to see if we start seeing guys get suspended for this. So. All right, that'll wrap up our sports talk for this episode. Just one last uh, thing to get to. So the Bachelorette new season uh, just started on Monday night. Katie Thurston is uh, this season's Bachelorette. And this season is unlike any other. Uh, Whether or not it's truly the most dramatic season ever, it's not Chris Harrison who's telling that to us, uh, the longtime host for the last 19 years. It's former Bachelorette's. Tasha Adams and Caitlin Bristow, who are filling in for him. And ultimately, we will not be seeing Chris Harrison again as he announced on Monday night that he will be exiting the show seemingly permanently. So he he got into hot water a few months ago when he was on a podcast with uh, former Bachelorette Rachel Lindsay, who is black, defending the uh, eventual winner, I guess, uh, you know, of uh, the, the most recent season of The Bachelor, the girl who was proposed to in the end, Rachel Kirk Connell, um, when some racially insensitive images of her attending fraternity parties and Native American attire and an antebellum-themed attire came out. So, um, I mean, I, Kenny, I know that you kind of recently looked into this. I'm, I'm sure that your thoughts on it are, you know, very much like not okay well yeah the the rachel's actions were were not okay here but the crazy thing to me is that she said i was ignorant my ignorance was racist what i did was not okay why did chris harrison then be like no it was fine like she already was like no it was bad he could have just agreed with her like that's all he had to do yeah well his specific comments were is it not okay by 2018 standards or by 2021 standards that's a big difference and uh Right. And the thing is, it's it's three years. Yeah. Dude. It's not a big difference. No. And as soon as I heard about that, it was still in the middle of the season. I was like, all right, well, she definitely wins the show because there's no way he would defend this girl if she was just another contestant. True. Like that's that was the whole thing is like he didn't want like, oh, we have this first ever black bachelor. And he ends up choosing a racist to win. So I think that was kind of the mindset. But again, that's more about the optics of the show and right. him choosing the show over you know, just the, the racial insensitivity of it. And uh, I think that the Bachelor franchise is definitely in, it's taken some heat just because that's uh, that's been a problem. The fact that there were 20 something seasons of the show before finally casting a black lead. Uh, I think that that's uh, certainly just kind of tells you a lot about some of the, the um, problems behind the scenes with that show. And look, I'm, I've really enjoyed watching it for the past few years. And I, I watched the first episode. I, I really like Katie. Um, I didn't really watch last season of The Bachelor, but I, I'm, I'm excited to continue watching this. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens with Tasha and Caitlin as the, the lead hosts. Um, I understand why Chris isn't there, but at the same time, when he's been there for 19 years, it is, it's weird not seeing him. And it's like one of those things where like I understand how everything is unfolding. I understand why he's not there but it's still it's it's weird having the show without him and knowing that he's not going to be coming back so uh that kind of brings us to the the next point here is that uh he's gone so he won't be participating as the host of bachelor in paradise this summer 
and they announced a bunch of celebrity guest hosts. Looks like the Bruins just scored. You bet. Nice. You oh, bet. I thought you were just happy about Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah, he's no. well. Brian's excited for David Spade to take over as a host. Uh, so he, he's he was the first one that was announced. They did recently announce other celebrity guest hosts. Um, Titus Burgess. He's a uh, mostly a Broadway actor, but he was in um, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. I don't know if either of you watch that show. Have any idea who he is? No. I've never heard of him. Lance Bass. From, I've seen him, but you have. in okay. like the previews for the shows, yeah. but that's all I know. Yeah. yeah. So Lance Bass from NSYNC and uh, the rapper Little John are all going to do this. So I, um, you know, I don't love this, this new thing of having like multiple hosts. I, I get why Jeopardy is doing it, you know, not wanting to rush to find a replacement of Alex Trebek, but it's a show that lasts for like six weeks. Why can't you just get one person to come out there and do the whole thing? Uh, that's kind of my mindset on this. Right. Like, it's like you could do like David Spade could be a guest host for a season. Yeah. You right. Could do like you could do. Yeah. That's weird to me to not just have them do like one season and that's your guest host arc and then you're gone. Yeah. Because like in the, in the case of The Bachelorette, it's going to be, you know, Tasha and Caitlin throughout the season. I feel like they could have easily just found another alum from the show. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they already the bartender is a former Bachelor contestant. And he just decides to hang out on the island. It's Wells Adams. He's engaged to Sarah Hyland now, who's uh, most famous for playing Haley Dunphy on Modern Family. And I, I heard that they're going to be hosts at some point. All right, why not just make him the host? And he can also provide people drinks whenever they're at the bar at the same time. Uh, I, I do like the idea of David Spade being a host. It's kind of funny to, to hear him say that uh, he... He's a big fan of the show, and I guess he told Jimmy Kimmel like when he asked him if he had a preference between The Bachelor and Bachelorette, is like I love all of them. I love making fun of them the same. So, like I feel like that's a big appeal to the show for a lot of people. Um, I'm definitely intrigued by Little John hosting this. I think Lance Bass would be a great host. I don't know enough about Titus Burgess to comment on him, but I'll, I'll give. Why would him you the be intrigued about Little John? Okay, you? I don't know. You're just gonna. I feel like you'll I be mean, fun. it's just like. All he does is what? he just says, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll be like, I've seen like between, I think one and three episodes of the bachelor. I don't remember. It was the season with Corinne, I think was her name. Oh yeah. Wait, was it, I saw like, I, I or like the actual bachelor. Mm. I think the actual so like Nick, Nick Vile season. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, so I saw like the last two or three episodes of that. That was Other what than got that, me hooked. The last two or three episodes of that season. I've never seen anything else, and like the only guest host who I really am familiar with is David Spade. But Lil John would be the one I would be most excited to actually yeah, check out. Right. Honest, I just it sounds funny. Yeah. I oh, I know. And I, I no, I, I'm, no, I'm just saying that he's he definitely lives the American dream, in my opinion. You when you get paid that much to do that little work, <laughs> when all you gotta do is just come on camera and just say yeah, yeah, his catchphrase. So he says Lil and just John. Just get paid too. millions. I'm, I'm I envy that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so Brian, you're going to tune into those episodes and we'll be able to talk about it on He's Done It. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if the Bruins just, if they, if they don't make a run, yeah. I mean, it's, okay, so else. the first episode doesn't start until August 16th, so oh, it'll be oh, in the middle, got, it'll be in the middle of this. sports. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You might have to miss a Monday Night Football Wait, oh, hold though. on. I mean, preseason football on, is on Monday, Tuesday nights. Oh, I, don't, okay. I don't know. There might be a Monday Night Football preseason game. Anyway, yeah, we'll uh, we'll 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 address that when it comes to that point. Um, I probably won't try to talk about the, the Bachelorette every single episode, but if anything relevant pops up, I will. There are a handful of athletes. No one's super famous though. 
All right, so that'll uh, that'll wrap up this week's episode. So, Kenny, thank you for coming back on and joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure for me as well. Brian, we'll, uh, we'll be back to talk more sports. We'll see maybe an episode next week, more likely two weeks from now. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be talking more basketball, more hockey, and more other stuff as, as necessary. So for uh, my, our guest host, Kenny Cashman, my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone.